Kids up to the sixth grade are dismissed to children's church. Kids to children's church, please. And the workers too. Let's not leave them by themselves back there. We might regret that. Before we pray, I wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer for the message today because I strongly suspect that this sermon is going to be the type of sermon that some people will hear and they will say, oh, so-and-so needed to hear that sermon. You're going to go to somebody and say, man, you need to hear this sermon or you'll want to maybe take them online and have them listen to it or get them a copy of the CD so they can hear it. And I want to ask you right now to guard against that. I want to ask you right now to open up your own heart uh, to God's word. And as we look into it, ask him. And I'm going to pray in just a second. And you can pray along what I'm saying or you can just whisper to God that he would do something in your heart as we open his word. And so uh, be careful as we approach the scriptures. But I firmly believe that when we join together corporately, this is the most important part of our time. And um, I want you to be blessed and be encouraged and hopefully be different from our time in God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so loved by you. Whether we recognize that day by day, it is true. I thank you for the patience that you show with us. I thank you for the individuals that recognize your goodness and see it and how their um, admiration for you grows in in their heart the longer they know you. We thank you that we can sing about heaven as we have done today. We can sing about the love that your, your son showed to us, the love that you showed to us by giving us your son. And we thank you for the word of God. We would ask now as we open it that you would allow us, Lord, to know you better and love you more because of our time in your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This morning I was out and I was going around town. I oftentimes will walk or jog or a combination of the two. And as I was coming through the downtown area and turning left on Main Street, um, I was going along and right when I got to the corner and turned left, there was a huge semi that was out of my sight until I got right there and turned left. But as soon as I got there, I was taken back a little bit and surprised. I could not tell what kind of a load it was carrying by the initial um, seeing of the semi and the sound of it that startled me just a little bit. But as I continued to go south on Main Street, very, very soon I realized what they were hauling. They were hauling some sort of livestock. It was some sort of animals that were in the back of that trailer. I'm not an expert enough to tell you exactly which kind of animals. I know some of you could probably identify what it was, maybe cows, maybe sows, I'm not sure. But as I went and turned that corner, I couldn't help but think of our time that we're going to spend in God's Word today. Because I think that if you're a follower of God, there's an application we can grab. Sometimes you will pass by individuals in this world. Sometimes they might bump into you. You might spend some time with them, maybe on a short project or maybe even long term. And it's my humble opinion that even as you pass by individuals, initially they might not be able to tell that you love Jesus Christ just from that first contact or that passing by. But it's my humble opinion that if you spend any good amount of time with someone, 
if you're able to be there long enough for some of your attributes to come out in the relationship, that very soon after you depart, they will know that you are one that has spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna talk about a few main topics today. And um, just as, I don't know if this will be an encouragement or a discouragement to you, but of these verses that we're going to go over, one of the individuals that I study, he spent 13 different sermons on this passage that I'm gonna talk about today. I think when we get into the main points, you'll probably see why many of them would merit a whole sermon. But having said that, we're gonna cover just a few verses in God's word, but there will be much, much depth that if you would like to, you can jump into several different studies that you might be sparked to uh, look at because of our time in God's word today. I want to give you a quote as we start, and it's a quote about time. And this quote was actually said back before cell phones and smartphones. This was said before the days of the internet, even before the days of television. And yet it applies very well to time, even for us. Listen to what Richard Baxter said years ago. Place a high value on your time. Be more careful of not losing your time than you would of losing your money. Do not let the worthless recreations, idle talk, unprofitable company, or sleep rob you of your precious time. Be more careful to escape the person, action, or course of life that would rob you of your time more than you would want to escape thieves and robbers. Did you know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are going to stand as accountable for how you spent your time? It would be nice if we could keep a detailed list of how we spent our time. Some of you might be list makers like I am and you'll even make lists in priority, the most important things first, first things first, we like to say in my house. And if you could keep track of how you spent your time and then examine it at the end of the week or even examine it at the end of the day, how do you think you would fare? I found a little tool on my smartphone recently that tells you the battery percentage that you spent using different apps on that phone. And so you, I can go and I can look and it will tell me exactly how much time I spent on my calendar, how much time was spent on the internet, how much time was spent on my Bible app, how much time was spent on my notes section. And it breaks down specifically. There's, not, there's no uh, discussion about it. It tells you exactly how you spent those moments that you were using your phone. How would you do if you had a tool like that? Something that was reading how you spent your day yesterday, your week this past week. My experience is most individuals have pretty good intentions when they start out, right? Don't you? I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this done. Most folks, probably you, have good intentions when we start out, but there's something within ourselves, and I'm not going to blame the devil, but maybe that old nature that is still within Christians, there's something within us that pulls us away from the best things. Many people are familiar with the phrase, redeeming the time. We're going to see that phrase today. 
This idea of redeeming the time, it gives the idea of a rescue. I wonder if any of you have ever had the opportunity to rescue somebody else. And I don't mean just like, you know, finding somebody who was lost or giving directions. I mean somebody was going underwater and you were able to grab them and pull them up, rescue them. Or someone needed major help. This idea of rescue gives the idea of rescuing our time from waste, rescuing our time from abuse. When we look at our application today, I want to, and there's gonna be multiple ways, if you're taking notes, there's multiple ways to break this down, but we're gonna look at the first few verses and there's gonna be some foundational statements that are in these first few verses. And if we have these foundational statements, these foundational principles down, they're going to lead us to be able to have the kind of fruit that we want to have. That's that intention that I was referring to. What kind of fruit do you want to have as a follower of Jesus Christ? Today's Sunday, first day of the week. You got six left. Think about your week. What would you like to get done? Do you think about the future? Do you think about the time that's going to be spent Let me tell you, and this is an odd, quirky thing about myself, but one of my favorite parts of the day. Can I just share with you one of my favorite parts of the day? It happens sometime between 6.30 and 8 a.m., and it's happening when I'm making the coffee for the next day. You see, by that time, I've already had my coffee for the morning, and I've had some water as well, and the coffee pot is shut off for the morning. And I want to go ahead and and I have an automatic timer that clicks it on about 4.30 in the morning. So when I'm thinking about, when I'm making that coffee, I'm thinking about the next day. So what even happened today? I was thinking about Monday. What's going to happen? I've got a very early Monday planned for tomorrow. So I'm thinking about the coffee and I'm thinking about my routine. I'm thinking about what's important that if I don't intentionally get it in, I might not get it in. I love that time. Typically, before I get to the office, I'm already thinking about the next day. How well do we guard our time? We're going to look at some foundational statements, and if we get a handle on these, they're going to put us in a place where we can produce the kind of fruit that we want to. All right, all that to take us to our text. If you're not already there, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 We're going to cover verses 15 through 21 in one sermon. Not 13 sermons, but one sermon. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse number 15 and go down through 18, and that will be our first section, these foundational truths. Starting in verse 15, the Bible says, Look carefully how how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because... The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, we're going to stop right there. We're going to break these down, this first part. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, uh, letter A is we need to walk in wisdom. You and I need to walk in wisdom. Look at verse 15 again with me. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. 
Unwise is another word for a fool. Most of us are familiar with Psalm 14.1 where it says, The fool has said in his heart there is no what? God. But I want to suggest to us today that there are some fools that do believe in God. There are some that would categorize themselves here as unwise, and I think it's fair to say a fool. The Bible teaches that it's not solely the person who says there is no God that is a fool, but the person who lives, don't miss this, the person who lives as if there is no accountability for their time. And I understand there are certain things we can get away with. And I also understand that every individual in here is different. You are different than the one down the pew from you. We are different. But there is going to be an accountability for every one of the followers of Jesus Christ for how we spent our time. When we look at God's word, there is no doubt that he wants us to walk in wisdom. And that does not just happen. No matter what your genes are, what your DNA is, you're not just brilliant. Maybe you're brilliant in some ways, but for you to walk in wisdom as God's word teaches wisdom, it's going to take several intentional steps on your part. So letter A, we need to walk in wisdom. And then very quickly, verse 16, he says, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Make the best use of your time. Now, when I look at um, people that are not using the best use of their time, it's not just one thing. In fact, my experience is I see two opposite extremes when it comes to not redeeming your time well, not using your time in a way that would be pleasing to God, a foundational principle for us. So two opposite things, which one would you fall into? The first one is people that waste their time. There are some individuals that waste an incredible amount of time. And I cannot police the way you spend your time. You cannot police the way that I spend mine. But some people waste their time with idleness. Turn around at the end of three hours and what did you accomplish? Some people waste their time by poor choices just doing something that will have nothing to do for eternity and will not build anything into them so they can press on further in their journey for God. There are some that waste time in procrastination. In procrastination. I mentioned I was a list maker. I like writing everything down, and I love that little rush I get when I get to check it off my list. Unfortunately, there are some things that I put on my list and I don't get it done that day. So the next day I'll write it on my to-do list. And I might not get it done that day. It's pretty low down the priority list. And so I'll write it again the next day on my to-do list. And just for full disclosure, I've had times where I've written something probably 18 times on my to-do list that I didn't get done. And it's embarrassing to realize that in the amount of time that it took me to write that 18 times, possibly I could have gotten it done. We need to make sure that we're not wasting our time with procrastination, with poor choices, I mentioned phones earlier, these devices. Let me just encourage the, the, the older generation here, let me just encourage you, they're not going away, all right? No matter how badly you might want it, smartphones are not going away. The internet is not going away. And so we have to figure out how to live life with this. And I know you get bothered, I get it. 
You get bothered when you see a couple at the restaurant on a date and they're there and instead of making googly eyes at each other, their faces are down like this, looking at their phone, sending pictures of their food out to everybody on social media. I know some of you get bothered with this because I do too. When we share in a community, when you have to use the roads of our community with other drivers, you might practice a bit of patience. And when someone does not go, when the light turns green, you might show some patience. But then when you see their head down like this and they're sitting at a green light, something might snap within you. How are they using their time? Now their time is affecting your time because they're checking out their phone when they should be driving. There are many time wasters. And when I say that every one of us is different, you need to take a look within yourselves. You're not like the person next to you. So you're going to have to custom make the disciplines in your life so you're redeeming the time well. That's one extreme is time wasters. Maybe you fall in that category in some way. What's on the other side of wasting time? What's way over here? Mercilessly allowing our time to drive us to where we genuinely have no time in life to rest, to meditate on God, to enjoy his beauty. So many individuals will drive themselves mercilessly, never getting the sleep that they need. You cannot do without that. Doesn't matter how many Red Bulls you've got in your refrigerator, you've got to get some sleep or you're not going to make it. Some individuals will drive themselves in a way where they never find refreshment in the beauty of God's world. And so these individuals see these extremes. So some will say, I'm going to stop and take time to smell the roses. And some might say, what a waste of time. But I do not think God would say you're wasting your time. Many of you took on the assignment of reading through the screw tape letters that we gave last year because of the amount of times we're going to see the devil attacking. And one of the uh, pictures I have in my head of the conversation between the senior tempter and the junior tempter, he is scolding the junior tempter and he says, how dare you let him take a walk around the lake simply for the enjoyment of it. And that caught my ear. I'm thinking, is that really that important to the devil? that we would take time to enjoy the beauty of this world? And I think it is. Because you can not do that. You can abuse the beauty that God has surrounded us with. And then also moving along, you can drive yourself mercilessly, never allowing yourself to enjoy, or to, to enjoy the laughter that God wants you to have in your life. Now previously in Ephesians 5, we talked about coarse jesting we talked about kind of um double meaning jokes dirty jokes and they're all out there and oh that you would have a mind that doesn't get it that doesn't catch the dirty meaning when somebody says something so we're not talking here about the laughter that maybe you'll get by watching a program or doing something but the laughter that you can share with someone else You know, when you share a smile and laughter with someone else, that does something in your relationship. And there's something sweet in that that comes to the child of God's heart. Laughter is a sweet, sweet medicine. We need to make the the best use of our time. And then number three, can you see how all these can be sermons within themselves? How about knowing God's will? 
in my ABF group um, after the service. We're going to talk about this one in more depth. Finding God's will. How important is this? Let me challenge you with this. Finding God's will for your life, it's not, he's not evasive. God's not evasive in what his will for your life is. It's also not like voodoo, all right? We don't have to approach it with so much anxiety and just hoping that we, you know, made the right turn or did this. But it will involve some specific things. The Apostle Paul writes to this church here and he says, you need to make sure that you are doing the will of God. What's gonna be involved in that? Well, prayer. Now, that's a tough one when people talk about time. How much time do you give to prayer? Can I challenge you with this? When you have a major decision to make, do not make that the point in your life where you start to pray. How many folks do that? A lot. You don't have a practice of prayer. You've got a major, maybe turning point in your life, something to think about, wondering what God's will is. You need to be so regular with God. You need to be praying consistently. You need to be knowing the principles of God's word. How many times as we're looking for direction from God and an individual has inundated themselves with the principles of the Bible, And it makes those decisions so much easier. Well, I saw this in the story in the Old Testament. I found this teaching of this individual and and what what they did. We need to be so familiar with God's word. This will help us to know God's will. And also seeking the advice from Christian friends. You need to have brothers and sisters that can challenge you, that you can go to them ask questions, ask for advice, pray together. I had lunch this past week with a a friend of mine and we were talking and he's facing something big that's coming up and I've got a relationship with him so I could say this. I said, okay, I'm gonna talk to you for a second. Can I give you something that's gonna be hard to hear? From my experience, can I tell you a direction that you're heading and this is gonna be hard for you to hear? And he said, yes, absolutely. We need to surround ourselves with individuals that love Jesus Christ and have wisdom and then can point us in the, wrong, in the right direction, the right direction. And then let me just mention this um, when we get to the end of talking about God's will here. Then you just need to move forward. So we're doing our best to walk according to the principles of God's word. We're regularly praying. We're surrounding ourselves with good counsel. We're taking in God's word, his principles, and then we just move forward. And all of these foundational principles involve something. They all involve trust. You move forward and you're trusting that God is going to close a door. You're trusting that God is going to bless what's going on here. Even making the best use of your time. There might be some things that you want to do and you're going to trust that God's going to bless that. Walking in wisdom. You're going to trust that if you do these steps, you will obtain wisdom but we should not allow ourselves to be paralyzed when it comes to a decision. If you want to know God's will, get these principles in place and then simply advance. Simply advance. Verse 17 says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then let's cover the last foundational principle. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's stop right there 
And I want to give you a little bit of history. Because many people will study this passage and um, even tonight in our Bible Knowledge Hour, we're going to talk about the importance of um, study and exegesis and what does that word mean? What does that verse mean? And not just um, thinking what our background is and making it mean what we think already, being very careful. There are many individuals that have come to this verse and they use it for a verse that talks about alcohol. But I want to suggest to you that there's something different going on here than just a mentioning of alcohol. Now we can go to the scriptures all throughout and find support for the fact that Christians should not get drunk. Drunkenness is sin. And it says that here, but I don't think that's the main message that Paul was giving. When we look at a little bit of history and we look at the city of Ephesus, we learn something about them. We know that it was a city that was filled with incredible sin. It was a very hard place to live as a believer, and many of these Christians were involved in that lifestyle, that horrible, horrible lifestyle before. But there was a God that they worshipped, one of the gods that they worshipped in the city of Ephesus, whose name was Bacchus, B-A-C-C-U-S. Bacchus was a god that was worshipped. And Bacchus was a god of wine and of drunken orgies. This was a major influence in the city of Ephesus, the god of wine and the god of drunken orgies, to the point where they felt that they were not getting what Bacchus wanted them to understand. They were not understanding the message from Bacchus or walking like he wanted them to unless they were actually drunk. They could not be led by this false God unless they were drunk. And of course, all of us here know that you act different when you're not in control of your own facilities. When you are drunk, you're under the influence of something else. And they thought that was the way to please this God, Bacchus. And that's why it makes sense that the Apostle Paul, knowing this history of the city of Ephesus, he mentions here that these believers... For them, he he contrasts the God Bacchus with being filled with what or who? The Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It made perfect sense to them, and it's still a beautiful application for us today because to be filled with the Holy Spirit means we are governed by, we are directed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, these are four foundational truths. And what's gonna be the result How about if you get three out of four of these down? What are you going to see? Hey, what if you get all four of these as a regular pattern in your life? What are we going to see? Well, as I read it and I studied it, I see the things that come up next. Walk in wisdom, make the best use of your time, know God's will, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, look in verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, we don't start with those four. We start with the foundational statements, but let's go ahead and break these down. First of all, speak to each other in love. That verse says there, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So addressing one another, 
And the idea here is in the context of music. So do you understand that when you come to church, you're singing to God, but do you also know there's another audience? Did you know that when you come and participate in the music part of a corporate worship service like this, you are singing to God, and that's our next point, but you're also singing to somebody else. What does it say there? To one another. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. The context here is with song. You might remember Paul and Silas in jail at midnight, and they were singing and others heard it. Speaking to one another, have you done your part in that? Have you encouraged somebody else? Uh, we had the special music this morning and a couple things popped out to me. Because I know, I know not everybody can sing, and that's okay. That's not a curse from God. That's okay. Some people, are, some people just cannot carry a tune. That makes sense. But we still should be able to sing. And we want so many folks singing here in our worship services that you get drowned out. And you can even sing out nice and loud. Don't worry about offending the person in front of you if you can't sing well. Don't worry about that. Sing out. Sing out in this group. In that song, 10,000 Reasons, it says you can sing like never before. And I thought, yeah, there's probably a few folks that are looking forward to singing like they've never sang before. Don't raise your hands. We are singing to others and also we are singing to God. Look at the second part of 19 where it says, making melody to who? The Lord in your heart. And so the next one is we need to make music that comes from our heart. Two things involved there, our effort and God doing something in our heart. This is us celebrating our God. God being the audience of your song as well as the brothers and sisters that are around you. Christians ought to be making a joyful noise. And it's my experience that many individuals have when they first come to Christ, first have that aha moment, they respond to the gospel, that there's a song that they respond with. And sometimes it fades over a while. And if this is you, I want to encourage you that you should not let it come to an end. You need to have a song in your heart. And if that has faded, let me just give you one tip as to what you can do. Study what God has done for you. If you've lost that desire to sing to God, to respond back in some way to God for what he has done for you, You need to study what he has done. Begin studying the mercy and grace. Look at the price that was paid. And God is faithful to remind us of these things. I can remember the moment. It was was six years ago, and I was overwhelmed. I was listening to a, a, a wonderful pastor preach a sermon from the book of Numbers. And as I heard him preach this sermon, I started out kind of skeptical and wanting to, you know, well, let's get to the end. And by the time he got to the end of that message, I can remember writing down, I have never felt more love than I do at this moment. I cannot keep this to myself. 
If you have failed to have this melody in your heart to sing to God, you need to jump into God's word and then keep your eyes open for what he's doing in your life. Those God stories, those things that only he could do that the world would chalk up to luck or coincidence, but you know it was God working. Make melody from your heart. And then the next one, be thankful. Be thankful. For believers, Thanksgiving should not be one day a year. The grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. I was going to give you a little bit of a test, but we're running out of time, to see how well you remembered in the Old Testament when the Hebrew children were traveling and there was a repeated sin that God calls out. As those Hebrew children would wander in the wilderness and they were going to the promised land, there was a repeated sin that they committed against Moses and against God. What was it? They were, they were grumblers. They would grumble and God didn't let it go. God did not ignore the grumbling of his people. They murmured against the Lord and against Moses. And God would punish them for that. And if you are walking wisely, if you are seeking to do God's will, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then when you come up against a bump in life, what's going to come out is gratefulness and thankfulness. Some of you are listening carefully, and you might think I spoke wrong there. When you come up against a trial or a valley in life, gratefulness comes out of you. It's not time to murmur. It's not time to complain. The Apostle Paul says you need to be thankful. And then the last one, and some of you are glad we're out of time, submit to one another. Submit to one another. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this verse is a natural setup for the next section. Submit to one another, husbands and wives, parents and children, workers and bosses. That's where we're going. But it's beneficial to include it here because submitting to one another plays a huge role in any effective church. All right, what can you do? What can you do with this? There's all kinds of applications. I think there's at least eight applications in those main points. But I... I marked just a couple things here, just two things that you can do. First of all, take very seriously the stewardship of your words. Some of you are good at this. Some of you are guarded with your words. You don't put yourself out there. You don't respond right away. Others of you are horrible at this. You just get bumped and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. And maybe God brought that there and maybe it wasn't God that brought it there. Take seriously the stewardship of your words. Use words that will help a brother or sister out. Use positive words. I would say this. I had a a practice years ago of saying this. When someone would come and say something negative about a person, about someone else, I would say, okay, for every one negative thing you say, you got to say three positive things. Oh, you should see people just bite their tongue when they get to say three positive things about somebody. It's easy to spot the negative, isn't it? How many of you are experts at spotting the negative? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. People are watching. It's easy to spot the negative. Take seriously the stewardship of your words. And then this challenge 
to have a melody that overflows for gratitude for your salvation. I already gave you that. If you do not have this, but you're saved, take a look at grace. Take a look at mercy. Get in God's word. And hopefully that appreciation will come. And then lastly, make Thanksgiving a 52-week event for you. You need to have Thanksgiving 52 weeks out of the year. Constantly remind yourself of what you have to be thankful for. Beginning with mercy and grace. And then would you thank God? Listen, if you're saved today and you're here in this world, he left you for a reason. Do you believe that? He didn't leave you for idleness. He didn't leave you to be a thorn in somebody's side. God left you here for a reason. You should praise God that he has you here in this world. And then get crazy busy trying to find out how he wants you to redeem that time. I have a check as in my office. It's a check that I got. It was a um, refund check. I got it. And I got it and I set it aside. I forgot the amount. It's less than $100, but it's more than 50 And I can remember picking up that check after I had set it aside and looking and it says right on there, it expires after, I think it says 90 days on it. And 90 days went by. So I got a check for maybe 83 bucks. What can you do with 83 bucks? I know I can, a few things I could do with 83 bucks. But I got that check. And I set it aside. What happened? What's it worth to me now? It's a bookmark. If I need to start a fire, I've got some kindling there. It's not worth 83 bucks. Listen, I hope you are not allowing your time to go by and you are not redeeming it like God wants you to because it's precious. It's precious. And all the young ones will say, time goes so slow. And all the not young ones will say, time goes so fast. It goes so fast. Can I encourage you today? The Apostle Paul has given some serious admonishment here, some serious principles, so that we don't have to get to the end of our time and say it was fruitless. But instead we can do these things. We can see these wonderful things that, by the way, they don't go away. How much in this world is going to go away? I mean, the vast majority of it, right? How much that you own, that you have, time you spend doing stuff is never going to be remembered. But there are some fruits that are established that are established here that will never go away. They will earn eternal rewards. We spend our time making things that will either be wood, hay, and stubble, and there's a fire coming, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And your beautiful God uses that refining fire to make those things even more beautiful. We sang about heaven today. We'll stand back one day when we are laid out and we will see how we spent our time. Can I encourage you, don't wait till you get to heaven to look back. Look at tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. I don't mean to cause any frowns, but tomorrow's Monday. Before you lay your head on your pillow tonight, think about your Monday. What are you gonna do with it? Think about this next week. God expects us to redeem our time and this is why he has left us so we can glorify him with our lives. Let's pray. Father, so much richness in this. 
and the encouragement to make sure we're walking in your will and redeeming our time. The encouragement to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how sweet and beautiful it is to be your children. And we do not have to wait because you're busy on the other side of the world doing things. But even right now, this moment, at every church that would meet together on this day, it does not slow you down to work in every heart of your children. I thank you for that. I thank you for how you allow us to spend our time well, to run our race well. And God, for some, that would be thinking today that they've got time before they turn to you, get serious about you, maybe accept Christ as Savior. Would you make this the day where they realize how short a time we have and why would they want to waste their life when they could be using it for something that will last for eternity. That's an investment that you want us to have. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Ron to play through a stanza on the piano. And as he does, this is a chance for you to pray. If you are here today and you've never accepted Christ as your savior, you need to understand that Christ died on the cross for your sins. You are a sinner, but you can be forgiven if you would just ask him to forgive you and save you today. You can do that even during this time. For everyone that's a follower of Christ, take one of those or a few of those that we talked about today that maybe God spoke to you about. Talk to him right now.